everybody, producer Dave here. We're off this week, so check out a classic episode. I like to think that I'm smart enough to not eat a Tide Pod.
everybody. This is the Intellectual Dollar Tree. We do the show live every Wednesday from 7 to whenever. I'm producer Dave, and I'm joined by, uh, well, shit, introduce yourself. Who are you? I'm historian Matt. Um, yeah, I'm here occasionally. Yeah, you are here occasionally. We're going to be joined a little bit later by HK Perrin. He has some uh, work stuff to attend to that's going to occupy his time for a little bit. Hopefully he'll join us. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, if not, we've done a show together before. It's been fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I I ain't mad. I ain't mad if he's got work to do. So we usually do like Jordan Peterson or Sam Harris or Eric Weinstein or some shit. But we decided we're having a little fun this week, and we're going to do War of the Worlds from 1938 by Orson Welles. Ooh, the just, original fake news. Yeah, yeah, just lighten it up a little bit, you know, because this, this show's usually pretty heavy. I think we ended up talking about War of the Worlds last week, like during the post game on this show, and that's what... It's when we kind of decided to do it this week. So, And uh, that music you heard was Offworld. That was a uh, talk about UFOs. I thought it was a little bit appropriate to play as we open up. Plus, I can put that on the YouTube video because they're not on CD, baby. Fuck CD, baby. Hmm. So I guess without any further ado, let's get started here. Um, I've got it set up so we can talk right over it. Um, probably just going to let it run the whole way through because it's about an hour anyway. And it's not like if we talk over it, we're going to miss anything super important. Like, like I said... <laughs> Well, Mystery Science Theater 3000, this shit. Anyway, here we go. Here's War of the Worlds, Orson Welles, the original from 1938. ...present Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the air in The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. They left in the static. That's awesome. It would have been really hard to clean up if, they, if it's like the original recording, right? I feel like that's possible though don't they have like some technology to do that they might they might but maybe whoever ripped this doesn't have access to it but yeah it kind of yeah it's, it adds to the adds to the kind of feeling or whatever yeah we know now that in the early years of the 20th century this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's and yet as mortal as his own we know now that as human beings busied themselves about their various concerns, they were scrutinized and studied, perhaps almost as narrowly as a man with a microscope might scrutinize the transient creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. With infinite complacence, people... And this guy's hell good at radio. ...about their little affairs. <laughs> Serene in the assurance of their dominion over this small... Maybe we should just mute our mics and let this run for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> which by chance or design man has inherited out of the dark mystery of time and space. Yeah, I believe Orson Welles actually got a start on radio. Minds that are to our minds as ours are to the beasts in the jungle. Intellects vast, cool, and unsympathetic regarded this earth with envious eyes and slowly and surely drew their plans against us. In the 39th year of the 20th century came the great disillusionment. Near the end of October, business was better. The war scare was over. More men were back at work. Sales were picking up. On this particular evening, October 30th, the Crosley service estimated that 32 million people were listening in on radios. Not much change in temperature. A slight atmospheric disturbance of undetermined origin is... If only we had like 30 million people listening to our radio show. ...to move down rather rapidly over the northeastern states 
Bringing a forecast. Or even 30,000 or 3,000 or 300. Maximum temperature 66, minimum 48. Or 30? <laughs> uh, we don't average that, but sometimes sometimes on Friday afternoon. Sometimes I do pretty well on Friday afternoon. Where you will be entertained by the music of Raymond Raquello and his orchestra. People who want to get hella pissed off at us for making fun of Sam Harris when they go to the fucking iTunes to listen to this are going to be like even more pissed off because then they're not going to have anything to be mad about this time. In the Meridian Room in the Park Plaza Hotel in New York City, we bring you the music of Raymond Raquello and his orchestra. With the touch of the Spanish, I hope this isn't copyrighted music. <laughs> uh, this whole broadcast is in the public domain. I, I, ch- I double checked, yeah. so. I was kidding. Wouldn't that be great if we got a hit from CD Baby from a song from the fucking 30s? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. At 20 minutes before 8 central time, Professor Farrell of the Mount Jennings Observatory, Chicago, Illinois, reports observing several explosions of incandescent gas occurring at regular intervals on the planet Mars. The spectroscope indicates the gas to be hydrogen and moving toward the Earth with enormous velocity. Professor Pearson of the observatory at Princeton confirms Farrell's observation and describes the phenomenon as, quote, like a jet of blue flame shot from a gun, unquote. We now return you to the music of Ramon Raquello playing for you in the Meridian Room of the Park Plaza Hotel situated in downtown New York. Nothing to worry about. There's just, you know, flames of uh, hydrogen on Mars. Coming right for us. (laughs) Or in the direction of Earth. I forget what the exact words are. I'm not going to back this up, though. Music's pretty pretty pleasing. And now a tune that never loses favor. The ever-popular Stardust. Raymond Raquello and his orchestra. This is supposed to be a show about aliens, not not music, right? Well, I mean, yeah, of course. I'm kidding. It was a real news broadcast. What are you talking about? (laughs) It's a long setup. Hey, what's up, Sammy? Welcome. Gentlemen, following on the news given in our bulletin a moment ago, the Government Meteorological Bureau has requested the large observatories of the country to keep an astronomical watch on any further disturbances occurring on the planet Mars. Due to the unusual nature of this occurrence, we have arranged an interview with a noted astronomer, Professor Pearson, who will give us his views on this event. In a few moments, we will take you to the Princeton Observatory at Princeton, New Jersey. We return you until then to the music of Ramon Raquello and his orchestra. soothing music until the scary stuff happens. I'm imagining like rich people with them cigarette extenders smoking their cigarette with their cigarette extender inside of a, an orchestra hall or whatever right now. The Princeton Observatory at Princeton where Carl Phillips, our commentator, will interview Professor Richard Pearson, famous astronomer. We take you now to Princeton, New Jersey. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is, this is Carl Phillips speaking to you from the observatory at Princeton. I'm, I'm, I'm standing in a large semicircular room, pitch black except for an oblong split in the ceiling. Through this opening, I can see a sprinkling of stars that cast a kind of frosty glow over the intricate mechanism of the huge telescope. The ticking sound you hear 
is the vibration of the clockwork. Professor Pearson stands directly above me on a small platform, peering through the giant lens. I'll ask you to be patient, ladies and gentlemen, during any delay that may arise during our interview. Besides the ceaseless watch of the heavens, Professor Pearson may be interrupted by telephone or other communications. During this period, he is in constant touch with the astronomical centers of the world. Professor, may I begin our questions? At any time, Mr. Phillips. Professor, would you please tell our radio audience exactly what you see as you observe the planet Mars through your telescope? Nothing unusual at the moment, Mr. Phillips. A red disk swimming in a blue sea. Transverse stripes across the disk. Quite distinct now, because Mars happens to be at the point nearest the Earth, in opposition, as we call it. In your opinion, what do these transverse stripes signify, Professor Pearson? Not canals, I can assure you, Mr. Phillips. Although, that's the popular conjecture of those who imagine Mars to be inhabited. From a scientific viewpoint, the stripes are merely the result of atmospheric conditions peculiar to the planet. Then, you're quite convinced, as a scientist, that living intelligence as we know it does not exist on Mars? I should say the chances against it are a thousand to one. And yet, how do you account for these gas eruptions occurring on the surface of the planet at regular intervals? Phillips, I cannot account for it. By the way, Professor, for the benefit of our listeners, how far is Mars from the Earth? Approximately 40 million miles. <laughs> well, that seems a safe enough distance. Uh, just a moment, ladies and gentlemen. Someone has just handed Professor Pearson a message. While he reads it, let me remind you that we, we are speaking to you from the observatory in Princeton, New Jersey, where we are interviewing the world-famous astronomer Professor Pearson. Uh, one moment, please. Professor Pearson... You sound suspiciously like Orson Welles. <laughs> yes. For the listening audience? Certainly, Mr. Phillips. Ladies and gentlemen, I shall read you a wire addressed to Professor Pearson from Dr. Gray of the Natural History Museum, New York. Quote, 9.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Seismograph registered shock of almost earthquake intensity occurring within a radius of 20 miles of Princeton. Please investigate. Signed, Lloyd Gray, Chief of Astronomical Division. Unquote. Professor Pearson. Could this occurrence possibly have something to do with the disturbances observed on the planet Mars? Oh, hardly, Mr. Phillips. This is probably a meteorite of unusual size, and its arrival at this particular time is merely a coincidence. Could also be an earthquake. We conduct a search as soon as daylight permits. <laughs> Thank you, Professor. Ladies and gentlemen, for the past ten minutes, we've been speaking to you from the observatory at Princeton, bringing you a special interview with Professor Pearson, noted astronomer. This is Carl Phillips speaking. We are returning you now to our New York studio. Never mind the big explosion, more soothing music. So do we have to, like, mention that this is uh, not a real radio broadcast? And uh, Professor Morris of Macmillan University... Well, I don't think so. I think it's pretty well known that War of the Worlds isn't real. And it certainly doesn't sound contemporary. Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> this confirms earlier reports received from American observatories. Now nearer home comes a special bulletin from Trenton, New Jersey. It is reported that at 8.50 p.m., a huge flaming object, believed to be a meteorite, fell on a farm in the neighborhood of Grover's Mill, New Jersey, 22 miles from Trenton. The flash in the sky was visible within a radius of several hundred miles, and the noise of the impact was heard as far north as Elizabeth. We have dispatched a special mobile unit to the scene, and we'll have our commentator, Carl Phillips, give you a word picture of the scene as soon as he can reach there from Princeton. In the meantime, we take you to the Hotel Martinet in Brooklyn, where Bobby Millette and his orchestra are offering a program of dance music. I like the uh, word picture instead of, you know, actual picture, because it's radio. 
This was dance music? I guess like like ballroom dancing, right? Yeah. <laughs> he didn't even mention that it was in a ballroom. Although it would have been funny if you uh, cut in some real like modern dance music. Mills, New Jersey. Even just disco would have been like futuristic. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Carl Phillips again, out at the Wilmot Farm, Grover's Mill, New Jersey. Professor Pearson and myself made the 11 miles from Princeton in 10 minutes. Well, I hardly know where to begin. To paint for you a word picture of a strange scene before my eyes, like something out of a modern Arabian night. Well, I just got here. I haven't had a chance to look around yet. I guess that's it. Yes, I guess that's the thing directly in front of me. Half buried in a vast pit. Must have struck with terrific force. The ground is covered with splinters of a tree. It must have struck on its way down. But I can see the object itself doesn't look very much like a meteor. At least not the meteors I've seen. It looks more like a huge cylinder. Has a diameter of, um, um, what would you say, Professor Pearson? What's that? Uh, what would you say, uh, what's the diameter of... The aliens are not so good at landing. Yards. The metal on the sheath is, well, I've never seen anything like it. The color is sort of... We have a new challenger. Yo, can you hear me? Yeah, but I think you're on your, uh, I think you're on some kind of like on the, the webcams mic or something because it sounds like your, you, you sound worse quality than this radio broadcast from 1938. Uh, would you please <laughs> tell the radio audience as much as you remember of this rather unusual visitor that dropped in your backyard? Uh, a step All right, how's that? Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. Wilmot. That's fine. Well, I was listening to the radio. Closer and louder, please. Pardon me? Uh, louder, please, closer. Yes. <clears throat> I was listening to the radio and kind of drowsing. That professor fellow was talking about Mars, so I was half chosen and half... Yes, yes, Mr. Wilmot, and uh, then what happened? Well, as I was saying, I was listening to the radio, kind of halfway... Yes, Mr. Wilmot, and then you saw something. Well, not first off. I heard something. And what did you hear? A hissing sound, like this. Uh, kind of like a Fourth of July rocket. Yes, then what? How was that? head out the window and would have sworn I was to sleep and dreaming. Yes. I seen a kind of greenish streak and then zingle. Well, were you frightened, Mr. Wilmot? Well, I ain't quite sure. I reckon I was... Did attack by snakes. Well, thank you, Mr. Wilmot. Thank you very much. Yeah, you want me to tell no, that's quite all right. That's Cartoon right. snakes. They're all... You've just heard Mr. Wilmot, owner of the farm, where this thing has fallen. I wish I could convey the atmosphere, the background of this fantastic scene. Hundreds of cars are parked in a field in back of us, and the police are trying to rope off the road. Oh, HK, do we need to catch you up, or, or have you heard, like, where the world's a million times? Uh, I've seen the movie. I've never heard the broadcast. Like, what's going on? All right, check this out. In the first, what, 13 minutes, uh, Orson Welles introduced, introduced it as a production of some theater company or whatever. And then they, uh, there was just a guy doing radio. They had some music playing, ballroom dancing. And then somebody cut in and said that they saw some blue flashes on the planet Mars. It appeared to be, uh, uh, it was a helium or fucking hydrogen gas or something. Yeah. Hydrogen gas. And, and that they appeared to be coming in our direction or or pointed in our direction. And then, uh, a meteorite crashed. And it turns out, I guess, that it's not a meteorite, and these are, they're on the scene right now. And here, here's like the first sets of interviews for that. Okay. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there's something I haven't mentioned in all this excitement, but it's becoming more distinct. 
Perhaps you've caught it already on your radio. Listen, please. Do you hear it? It's a curious humming sound that seems to come from inside the object. I'll uh, move the microphone nearer. Here. The most famous radio broadcast of all time. Can you hear it? I like these, these old like album covers for it or whatever are pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> is that true? Is it the most famous one? I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. I don't know what to think. The uh, metal casing is definitely extraterrestrial. Uh, not found on this earth. Friction with the earth's atmosphere usually tears holes in a meteorite. This thing is smooth and you can see it's cylindrical uh, shape. Something's happening. Ladies and gentlemen, this is terrific. This end of the thing is beginning to flake off. The top is beginning to rotate like a screw and the thing must be hollow. He's moving! Keep those turns back! 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 Doesn't all sound like they're in a studio. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the most terrifying. Yeah, these people seem to think that nobody even took note of the fact that they're supposedly doing radio from all these different locations. Yeah. Coming out of that black hole through luminous discs. The eyes, it might be a face, might be almost. Heavens, something wriggling out of the shadow like a gray snake. Now it's another one and another one and another one. They look like tentacles to me. Oh, yeah, I can see the thing's body now. It's large. It's large as a bear. It glistens like wet leather, but that face, it, it, ladies and gentlemen, it's indescribable. I can hardly force myself to keep looking at it. It's so awful. The eyes are black and they gleam like a serpent. The mouth is that's kind of V-shaped with saliva dripping from its rimless lips. It seems to oh, quiver and pulsate, and the monster or whatever it is can hardly move. It seems weighed down by uh, possibly gravity or something. The thing's... Well, supposedly they're from Mars, which has a lot less gravity, so that would make sense. He was having a little trouble. Yeah, you can't stand up. I'm too heavy over here. Fuck. I'm hella powerful on Mars. <laughs> Back to the ballroom dancing music. Quite nice. We are bringing you an eyewitness account of what's happening on the Wilmoth Farm, Grover's Mill, New Jersey. So the reason that uh, a bunch of people freaked out about this is that they aired the the whole thing and they only said that it was a show in the beginning, right? Yeah. So like the people that tuned in halfway through, like I just did. From here, I get a sweep of the whole scene. Don't run out in the street screaming, we're not actually being attacked by aliens. More state police have arrived. They're drawing up a cordon in front of the pit. It may not be it being attacked by aliens. Back now. They're willing to keep their distance. The captain's conferring with someone. Can't quite see who. Oh, yes, I believe it's Professor Pearson. Yes, it is. Now, now they've parted, and the professor moves around one side, studying the object while the captain and two policemen advance with something in their hands. I can see it now. It's a white handkerchief tied to a pole. Flag of truce. Those creatures know what that means. What anything means. Wait a minute, something's happening. Humped shape is rising out of the pit. I can make out a small beam of light against a mirror. What's that? There's a jet of flame springing from the mirror and it leaps right at the advancing men. It strikes them head on. Lord, they're turning into flames. Now the whole field's caught up by the woods. The bars, the, the gas tanks, tanks of the automobiles. 
spreading everywhere. It's coming this way now, about 20 yards to my right. Bono. Ladies and gentlemen, due to circumstances beyond our control, we are unable to continue the broadcast from Grover's Mill. Evidently, there's some difficulty with our field transmission. However, we will return to that point at the earliest opportunity. In the meantime, we have a late bulletin from San Diego, California. Professor Indelkoffer, speaking at a dinner of the I'm California from there. Astronomical Society, expressed the opinion... Do you know Professor Indelkoffer? ...undoubtedly nothing more than severe volcanic disturbances... I don't recall. ...of the planet. We continue now with our piano interlude. Never mind the the, the people dying. Uh, here, here's a nice piano music. That's what'll happen if the world ever actually is coming to an end, though. From Grover's Mill by telephone. Just one moment, please. At least forty people, including six state troopers, lie dead in a field east of the village of Grover's Mill. Their bodies burned and distorted beyond all possible recognition. The next voice you hear will be that of Brigadier General Montgomery Smith, commander of the state militia at Trenton, New Jersey. I have been requested by the governor of New Jersey to place the counties of Mercer and Middlesex as, as far west as Princeton and uh, east to Jamesburg under martial law. No one will be permitted to enter this area except by special pass issued by state or military authorities. Four companies of state militia are proceeding from Trenton to Grover's Mill and uh, will aid in the evacuation of homes within the range of military operations. Thank you. You have just been listening to General Montgomery Smith commanding the state militia at Trenton. In the meantime, further details of the oh, catastrophe... going to say enjoy a waltz. The strange creatures, after unleashing their deadly assault, crawled back in their pit and made no attempt to prevent the efforts of the firemen to recover the bodies and extinguish the fire. The combined fire departments of Mercer County are fighting the flames which menace the entire countryside. We have been unable to establish any contact with our mobile unit at Grover's Mill, but we hope to... It's be just Jersey. It's no big loss. Possible moment. In the meantime, we take you to... Just one moment, please. Ladies and gentlemen, I have just been informed that we have finally established communication with an eyewitness of the tragedy. Professor Pearson has been located at a farmhouse near Grover's Mill, where he has established an emergency observation post. As a scientist, he will give you his explanation of the calamity. The next voice you hear will be that of Professor Pearson, brought to you by direct wire. Professor Pearson. Of the creatures in the rocket cylinder at Grover's Mill... I can give you no authoritative information, either as to their nature, their origin, or their purposes here on Earth. Of their destructive instrument, I might venture... That, that professor, that sounds a whole lot like Orson Welles again. For want of a better term, I shall refer to the mysterious weapon as a heat ray. It's all too evident that these creatures have scientific knowledge far in advance of our own. If they have a heat ray, well, yeah. It's my guess that in some way they are able Barbecued to 60 of you and then fucking went back in a hole and like nothing happened, then yeah. This intense heat they project in a parallel beam against any object they choose by means of a polished parabolic mirror of unknown composition, much as the mirror of a lighthouse projects a beam of light. That, that is my conjecture of the origin of the heat ray. Is that basically a laser now? Like, we, we wouldn't Ladies do that with just a big mirror. 
It is a brief statement. In yeah, I don't know. I don't think the mirror, I don't think it was like reflecting moonlight or something. I think it was like, a, I think he said it was emitting, or he was trying to suggest that it was emitting energy. But, he also sounds a lot like Orson Welles. Our entire broadcasting facilities. I think it's a different dude. ...of the gravity of the situation, and believing that radio has a responsibility to serve in the public interest at all times, we are turning over our facilities to the state militia at Trenton. We take you now to the field headquarters of the state militia near Grover's Mill, New Jersey. This is Captain Lansing of the Signal Corps attached to the state militia, now engaged in military operations in the vicinity of Grover's Mill. Situation arising from the reported presence of certain individuals of unidentified nature is now under complete control. The cylindrical object, which lies in a pit directly below our position, surrounded on all sides by eight battalions of infantry, without heavy field pieces, but adequately armed with rifles and machine guns. All cause for alarm, if such cause ever exists. No, they have, that, that thing has a heat ray. Barbecued 60 people in just a few seconds. You need more than some guns. I can see their hiding place plainly in the glare of the searchlights here. Depends on the guns. If it's heat ray guns versus heat ray guns. Anyway, it's an interesting outing for the troops. I can you think they'd send some uh, tanks over there? Back and forth in front of the lights. Looks almost like a real war. There appears to be some slight smoke in the woods bordering the Millstone River. Probably fire started by campers. Well, fire started by campers. Oh, they're painting the they're painting the military guy as a liar. on the left flank. A quick thrust and it'll all be over. Very nice. I see something on top of the cylinder. No, no, it's nothing but a shadow. Now the troops are on the edge of the Wilmot Farm. Seven thousand armed men closing in on an old metal tube, a tub rather. Well, wait, that wasn't a shadow. It's something moving. Solid metal, kind of a shield-like affair, rising up out of the cylinder. It's going higher and higher. What? It's it's standing on legs. Actually rearing up on a sort of metal framework. Now it's reaching above the trees and the searchlights are on it. Hold on. Why is this military guy such a brilliant broadcaster? I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army from the planet Mars. I think the fact that there's like long pauses of silence in this broadcast really sells that it's, you know, really sells the authenticity of it. So, like, listening to it, I can kind of understand why so many people were convinced that it was real. Yeah, it kind of sounds like it's being put together on the fly by people who are not sure what's going on and are going to do one thing and then, like, have to figure out what to do. So it takes them two to five seconds to do that. Yeah, I know. It's really, really well put together. Yet it isn't slow or boring or, like, you know what I'm saying? It's still interesting to listen to, knowing that it's fiction. Yeah. And it's even more interesting to listen to, knowing that a lot of people took it seriously and freaked out 
because of it. By morning, the fugitives will have swelled Philadelphia, Camden, and Trenton. It is estimated to twice their normal population. Martial law prevails throughout New Jersey and eastern Pennsylvania. At this time, we take you to Washington for a special broadcast on the national emergency. The Secretary of the Interior. Citizens of the nation, I shall not try to conceal the gravity of the situation that confronts the country, nor the concern of your government in protecting the lives and property of its people. However, I wish to impress upon you, private citizens and public officials, all of you, the urgent need of calm and resourceful action. Why does this guy sound like he's a you know, big guy in a suit with a cigar, kind of politician type guy? Secretary of the Interior. Yeah. In the military. Get that job by being good old boy. <laughs> in the meantime, placing our faith in God, we... Oh, no, 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 no. Listen to the scientists in the, listen to the scientists in the farmhouse, please. So that we may confront this destructive adversary with a nation united courageous, and consecrated to the preservation of human supremacy on this earth. I thank you. Human supremacy? Well, if something comes along with a fucking thing that can cook six of us in a couple seconds, I guess no. <laughs> We're informed that the central portion of New Jersey is blacked out from radio communication due to the effect of the heat ray upon power lines and electrical equipment. Bullshit. Fucking <laughs> like a third of the state, did he say? French and German scientific bodies offering assistance. Astronomers report continued gas outbursts at regular intervals on the planet. Thing just started 30 minutes ago, and the French are already helping. Pretty, 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 pretty believable. There have been several attempts made to locate Professor Pearson of Princeton, who has observed Martians at close range. It is feared he was lost in the recent battle. Langham Field, Virginia. Scouting planes report three Martian machines visible above treetops, moving north toward Somerville with population fleeing ahead of them. The heat ray is not in use, although advancing at express train speed, invaders pick their way carefully. They seem to be making a conscious effort to avoid destruction of cities and countryside. However, they stop to uproot power lines, bridges, and railroad tracks. Their apparent objective is to crush resistance, paralyze communication, and disorganize human society. Here is a bulletin from Basking Ridge, New Jersey. Coon hunters have stumbled on a second cylinder similar to the first, embedded in the Great Swamp 20 miles south of Morristown. Army field Marstown. So if this was happening now, do you think uh, Trump would close the border with Mars and uh, complain about the illegal aliens from Mars? <laughs> My question is, if you played if this for Trump, white. if you played this for Trump, would he believe that it was uh, modern and real? Machines also sighted by telephone operator east of Middlesex within 10 miles of Plainfield. Here's a bulletin from Winston Field, Long Island. If they were brown aliens, you can bet Trump would be racist against them. They keep the speeding enemy in sight. Just a moment, please, ladies and gentlemen. What if they all look like Ivanka? Be fine with that. First, we take you to the battery of the 22nd Field Artillery, located in the Watching Mountains. If he looks like Ivanka, he'd be like, no collusion. Do not collude with the Martians. 39 degrees. 39 degrees. Fire. One hundred forty yards to the right, sir. Shift range, 31 meters. 31 meters. 
Projection 37 degrees. I mean, let's be real. If they looked like Ivanka, he'd fuck one of them. It's a... Got the tripod of one of them. That's up. The others are trying to repair it. Quick, get the range. Shift 50, 30 meters. 30 meters. Projection 27 degrees. 27 degrees. Fire. Lancer. Letting off a smoke. What is it? Black smoke, sir. Moving this way. Flying close to the ground. Moving fast. Put on gas masks. Get ready to fire. Shift to 24 meters. 24 meters. Projection 24 degrees. 24 degrees. Fire. Do you think they used like a toilet for that sound? Because it sounds like flushing. Could be, yeah. Back in the day for radio drama, they were like hell of creative about sound effects because they had to do it all live and like in a radio studio. People are still pretty creative about sound effects. It's hard to like CG sound. Like explosions you can really do on a synth, but otherwise, yeah, you have to figure out other ways to make sounds. Reporting to Commander Fairfax Langham Field. This is both reporting to Commander Fairfax Langham Field. Enemy tripod machines now in sight. Reinforced by three machines from the Mars Town. Now you just buy a sample pack of somebody else who already fucking did it. <laughs> you buy rights to use their samples in your movie or whatever. Guns now appear silent. There's still a heavy black fog sound engineers that are uh, unknown. Yes, they're called. The, well, those are the ones who make the sample packs that they sell to everybody else. It's not like they just use it. And, well, no, I mean, of course, there's people making it, but I think a lot of like people just buy them. There's also uh, foley artists, right, that make the sounds in movies. Foley artists? I guess what they're called. Huh. Oh, wait, are they going to try to shoot down the alien? Eight hundred yards. Six hundred. How is he measuring this? Guesstimated. With his dick. Four hundred. Yeah, the radio guys were really cool back then. There they go. The giant arm raised. Green flash. Spraying us with flame. 2,000 feet. Engines are giving out. No chance to release bombs. Only one thing left. Drop on them. Plane and all. We're diving on the first one. Now the engine's gone. Eight. Uh-oh. Curtains. Bayonne, New Jersey, calling Langham Field. This is Bayonne, New Jersey, calling Langham Field. Come in, please. This is Langham Field. Go ahead. Eight Army bombers in engagement with enemy tripod machines over Jersey Flats. Engines incapacitated by heat ray. All crashed. 
One enemy machine destroyed. Enemy now discharging heavy black smoke in direction of... This is Newark, New Jersey. This is Newark, New Jersey. Warning. Poisonous black smoke pouring in from Jersey marshes. Reaches South Street. Gas masks useless. Urge population to move into open spaces. Automobiles use routes 7, 23, 24. Avoid congested areas. Smoke you just told all the cars where to go, so... <laughs> were people evacuating? I'm, I'm having a hard time believing people were evacuating. Well, there's a number of people standing around in red hats denying that there's any aliens. Okay, please. Where are you, 8X3R? What's the matter? Where are you? I'm speaking from the... Yeah, the way it sounds all kind of choppy and fucked up, you're right, it, it makes it... It's one of the things that probably led some folks to believe that it was real. New York City, the... Bells you hear are ringing to warn the people to evacuate the city as the Martians approach. Estimated in the last two hours, three million people have moved out along the roads to the north. Hutchison River Parkway is still kept open for motor traffic. Avoid bridges to Long Island, hopelessly jammed. All communication with Jersey Shore closed ten minutes ago. No more defenses. Our army is wiped out. I'll be right back. I'm going to make myself a drink while they uh, while they die in the streets. Wiped out. This may be the last broadcast. We'll stay here to the end. People are holding service here below us in the cathedral. No run. Now I look down the harbor. Oh, don't pray. Uh, pray while you run. Overloaded with fleeing population, pulling out from docks. Streets are all jammed. Noise and crowds like New Year's Eve in city. Wait a minute, the... The enemy is now in sight above the Palisades. Five... Five great machines. First one is crossing the river. I can see it from here, waiting... Waiting the Hudson like a man waiting through a brook. A bulletin is handed me. Martian cylinders are falling all over the country. One outside of Buffalo, one in Chicago, St. Louis. Seem to be timed and spaced. Now the first machine reaches the shore. He. That's fast. Watching, looking over the city. He's walking quickly. Steel cowlish head is briskly with skyscrapers. He waits for the others. They rise like a line of new towers on the city's west side. Now they're lifting their metal hands. This is the end now. They have hands. Smoke comes out. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. Smoke drifting over the city. Whatever, it's not real, so it can have whatever properties they want it to. That's one of the great things about fiction. They're running toward the East River, thousands of them. Dropping in like rats. Now the smoke's spreading faster. It's reached our rats could destroy their rats. I'm sorry. People are trying to run away from <laughs> Once they get to New York City, our rats will take out their rats. Falling like flies. 
Now the smoke's crossing 6th Avenue. 5th Avenue. Uh, a hundred yards away. It's... It's 50 feet. He passed out. Forever. Is the alien going to come? Do they have techno music? 2X2L calling CQ. Just like New, New Jersey CQ. to send killer aliens to New York. 2X2L calling CQ New York. Isn't there anyone on the air? What happened? He died. Anyone on the, the smoke got him. Oh, shit. The, the, the big, the big, uh... Anyone? The big cloud of smoke got him. 2X2L. Got who? Was that the Secretary of the Interior? No, the broadcaster. I think the Secretary of the Interior was uh, the, the person who told on the military guy for lying to us earlier. In an original dramatization of The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells, the performance will oh, continue... they just announced it. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. The War of the Worlds... So they did announce it. Why'd people freak out then? If you were listening to that, and you believed it and you were in a big city, wouldn't you just drop everything and get out of the big city if you could? I'd keep listening to it, though. Oh, yeah, it's well, on the radio. Guess, yeah, a lot of people then just had, like, you know, radios, radios in their living room. As I set down these notes on paper, I'm obsessed by the thought that I may be the last living man on Earth. I've been hiding in this empty house near Grover's Mill, a small island of daylight cut off by the black smoke from the rest of the world. All that happened before the arrival of these monstrous creatures in the world now seems part of another life. A life that has no continuity with the present. Furtive existence of the lonely derelict who pencils these words on the back of some astronomical notes bearing the signature of Richard Pearson. Look down at my... Oh, it's Dr. Pearson. From earlier. <laughs> Try to connect them with a professor who lives at Princeton and who on the night of October 20th glimpsed through his telescope an orange splash of light on a distant planet. I thought it was blue. My wife... Not that distant. It's like Colleague, the second closest to us, right? Mars is the closest closest. Observatory? Isn't it? I thought Venus was. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's Mars. I, don't I thought know. it depended on where each of the planets were in their uh, orbit. True. If Mars is on the other side of the sun, then it's definitely not the closest. Do days exist without calendars? Does time pass when there are no human hands left to wind the clocks? That's what I'm wondering, too. Down my daily life, I tell myself I shall preserve human history between the dark covers of this little book that was meant to record the movements of the stars. But to write, I must live, and to live, I must eat. I guess by this time in the broadcast, people had already, like, freaked out and left. Spoiled to swallow? I think so, yeah. Well, watch at the window. Because he's, like, waxing poetic about being the last person on Earth. 
And it's like if someone heard that, they'd go like, "Oh yeah, this is smoke still this is clearly um, like a, a theater production." Mounted on his machine, spraying the air with a jet of steam as if to dissipate. The, the reports of like people freaking out and running in the streets were actually very much exaggerated. I'm not sure if that actually happened at all. I have to assume actually. that I have to assume that they're exaggerated. Yeah. Morning. I'm sure there were like one or two people that did it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I think a lot of people were freaked out by the broadcast itself, at least at first. But uh, not very many people were like went overboard. In their wrecked car, baggage overturned, a blackened skeleton. There was probably that one dude that drove all the way to Florida before he realized, like, no one else is freaking out. Keep a careful watch. I've seen the Martians feed. Should one of their machines appear over the top of trees, I'm ready to fling myself flat on the earth. Come to a chestnut tree. October. Chestnuts are ripe. Fill my pockets. I must keep alive. Two days I wander in a vague northerly direction through a desolate world. Finally, I notice a living creature. A small red squirrel in a beech tree. I stare at him and wonder. He stares back at me. I believe at that moment the animal and I shared the same emotion. The joy of finding another living being. Push on north. I find dead cows in a brackish field and beyond the charred ruins of a dairy in a silo. Main standing guard over the wasteland like a lighthouse. Deserted by the sea. Stride the silo, purchase a weathercock. The arrow points north. North. Next day, I come to a city. City vaguely familiar in its contours, yet its building strangely dwarfed and leveled off as if, as if a giant had sliced off its highest towers with a capricious sweep of his hand. Reached the outskirts, I found Newark. Newark, undemolished but humbled by some whim of the advancing Martians. Presently, with an odd feeling of being watched, I caught sight of something crouching in a doorway. I made a step towards it. Media wenches in the chat. Could you imagine if Madison Star Moon heard this in 1938? <laughs> <laughs> She'd blame the government. Where do you come from? Well, I come from... from many places... She'd also call them uh, crop-dusting planes. That's right. <laughs> what are the aliens so, spraying? And in this case, it would be poisonous gas of some kind. <laughs> Apparently, like, the cops called the studio that was broadcasting this and told them to interrupt the show and make an announcement that it was fiction. I guess I'm looking... Wow. ...for people. Hey, what was that? Did we hear something just then? No. Only a bird. He made a friend. A live bird. Yeah. You get to know that birds have shadows these days. Say, we're in the open here. Let's crawl in this doorway here and talk. Have you seen any Martians? No. They're going over to New York. 
night, the sky's alive with their lights, just as if people were still living in it. By daylight, you can't see them. Like Jersey sucks. Where, where's New York City? Five days ago, a couple of them carried something big across the flats from the airport. I think they're learning how to fly. Fly? Yeah, fly. Hmm. Pilot lessons, man, pilot it's lessons. all over with humanity. Stranger, there's still you and I. Two of us left. Yeah. They got themselves in solid. They wrecked the greatest country in the world. Those green stars, they're probably falling somewhere every night. They've only lost one machine. There isn't anything to do. We're done. Mechanical failure. We didn't even take it out. Where were you? You're in a uniform. <laughs> yeah, what's left of it? I was in the militia. National Guard. <laughs> That's good. There wasn't any war. Any more than there's war between men and ants. Yes, but we're eatable ants. I found that out. You could eat ants if you have a big enough pile of them. I thought it all out. Right now, we're caught as... I wouldn't war. recommend it. Martian no, probably not very good. A few miles to get a crowd on the run. But they won't keep on doing that. They'll begin catching a systematic like keeping the best and storing us in cages and things. They haven't begun on us yet. Not begun? Not begun. All that's happened so far is because we don't have sense enough to keep quiet. Bothering them with guns and such stuff and losing our heads and rushing off in crowds. Now, instead of our... Rushing around blind, we got social distance to keep the aliens from getting us. The way things are now. Cities, nations, civilization, progress. Yes, but if that's so, what is there to live for? Well, there won't be any more concerts for a million years or so, and no nice little dinners at restaurants. If it's amusement you're after... Concerts, that's really the most important thing. What is there left? Life, that's what. I want to live. Yeah, and so do you. We're not going to be exterminated. And I don't mean to be caught either. Tamed and fattened and bred like an ox. What are you going to do? I'm going on. Right under their feet. I got a plan. We men, as men, we're finished. We don't know enough. We got to learn plenty before we got a chance. We've got to live and keep free while we learn, see? I've thought it all out, see? Well, tell me the rest. Well, it isn't all of us that are see? wild beasts. He sounds like a stereotypical 30s like, gangster guy. That's yeah, see, man. Watched you. All those little office workers that used to live in these houses, they'd be no good. They haven't any stuff in them. They used to run, run off to work. I've seen hundreds of them running to catch their commuter's train in the morning, afraid they'd get canned if they didn't. Running back at night, afraid they wouldn't be in time for dinner. Lives insured and a little invested in case of accidents. Yeah, and on Sundays... Worried about the hereafter. It sounds like maybe a couple hundred people heard this broadcast live. Careful breeding, no worries. And the people that were fooled just called the cops to see what was going on. You thought it all out? Or the people who weren't necessarily even all the way fooled. That isn't all. They were just like, wait, what's going on here? So, like, the... The idea, you know, that you've got this newspaper here stirs terror through the U.S. No, it's more like maybe a couple hundred people. The tabloid, though, that they're showing, right? Yes, they will. Yeah. There's men who do it gladly. Yeah, I think Orson Welles, like, kind of pushed that narrative that people freaked out. Yeah, of course. To get it in papers and, you know, get the word out and... You and I and others like... Hopefully get a bigger audience for a replay. we to live when the Martians own the Earth? I got it all figured out. We live underground. I've been thinking about the sewers. Under New York, they're miles... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The main ones are big <laughs> enough for anybody. 
Who wants to become a uh, sewer person? Underground storerooms, railway tunnels, subways. You begin to see, huh? We'll get a bunch of strong men together. No weaklings. That rubbish, out. As you meant me to go. All right. Give you a chance, didn't I? I won't quarrel about that. Go on. Well, you got to make safe places for us to stay in, see? Get all the books we can. Science books. That's where we'll I'm learn at. science, just the two of us. We raid the museums. We'll even spy on the Martians. May not be so much we have to learn before... Listen. Just imagine this. Four or five of their own fighting machines suddenly start off. Heat rays right and left. Not a Martian in them. Not a Martian in them, see? But men. Men who've learned the way how. May even be in our time. Gee. Imagine having one of them lovely things with a heat ray wide and free. We'd turn it on Martians. We'd turn it on men. We'd bring everybody down on their knees. That's your plan. Yeah. You. Me. A few more of us. We'd own the world. I see. Hey. Hey, what's the matter? Where are you going? Not to your world. Bye, stranger. Well, after parting with the artilleryman, I came at last to the Holland Tunnel, entered that silent... I wish you would have said, I thought that guy was never going to go away. ...just to know the fate of the great city on the other side of the... <laughs> I was going to say, like, later, dude. Cautiously, I came out of the tunnel and made my way up Canal Street. Reached 14th Street, and there again were black powder and several bodies and an evil, ominous smell from the gratings of the cellars of some of the houses. I wandered up through the 30s and 40s, Stood alone on Times Square. Caught sight of a lean dog running down 7th Avenue with a piece of dark brown meat in his jaws and a pack of starving mongrels at his heels. Made a wide circle around me as though he feared I might prove a fresh competitor. Walked up Broadway in the direction of that... that strange powder, past silent shop windows, displaying their mute wares to empty sidewalks. Past the Capitol Theater, silent... Dark. Past a shooting gallery where a row of empty guns faced an arrested line of wooden ducks. Near Columbus Circle, I noticed models of 1939 motor cars in the showrooms facing empty streets. Over the top of the General Motors building, I watched a flock of black birds circling in the sky. He's like, I took the yellow car. Suddenly, I caught sight of the hood of a Martian machine standing somewhere in Central Park, gleaming in the late afternoon sun. Insane idea. I, I, I rushed recklessly across Columbus Circle and into the park. I, I climbed a small hill above the pond at 60th Street, and from there I could see standing in a silent row along the mall 19 of those great metal titans, their cowls empty, their steel arms hanging listlessly by their sides. I looked in vain for the monsters that inhabit those machines. Suddenly my eyes were attracted to the immense flock of black birds that hovered directly below me. They circled to the ground. And there before my eyes, stark and silent, lay the Martians with the hungry birds pecking and tearing brown shreds of flesh from their dead bodies. Ah, you have birded. The bodies were examined in laboratories. It was found that they were killed by the putrefaction disease bacteria against which their systems were unprepared. 
Oh, they came. They came here and they got a, they got a fucking virus or some bacteria or some shit and they died. The humblest thing that. Yep, pretty much. As wisdom is put upon this earth. They fucked us up pretty bad before they did it, though. Before the cylinder fell, there was a general persuasion that through all the deep of space. General persuasion. I know that guy. Surface of our minute sphere. That's the guy who lied to us earlier. Now we see further. <laughs> Dim and wonderful is the vision I've conjured up in my mind of life spreading. The thing is, like, the microbes that live on Earth are specifically adapted to infect the multicellular organisms that live on Earth. Maybe that the destruction of the Martians is only a reprieve. Well, maybe one of them, maybe one of the bacteria likes a little bit of, like, a, like a foreign delicacy every once in a while. Ah, strange it now seems to... Bacteria, yes. Definitely not viruses. Writing down this last... Why not viruses? Viruses are adapted to infect specific hosts. So, like, a virus that infects, say, um... Bat? Like, fish? A virus that infects fish? Almost definitely not going to infect us. And a virus that infects bacteria is absolutely not going to infect us. But the bacteria might just flesh eat the shit out of the aliens. Strange when I recall the time. Yeah, bacteria are much 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 less picky about what they eat. Cut hard and silent under the dawn of that last great day. Is that it? That was it. Bacteria wins. Woo! That was cool. I've never actually heard that before. I really enjoyed that. I did too. And all the people who are waiting for this this show to come out so they can leave a really mean comment about how how sad they are that we're making fun of Jordan Peterson are in for a treat this time. Something rather enjoyable and fun. (laughs) Do people still care about Jordan Peterson? (laughs) I don't know. We don't talk about him anymore. The groups that I'm in that make fun of him are a little more quiet now too kind of like him it's it's just like kind of sad now well, well, hold on. talking about him he's hold on. actually it, it, like working on a new book oh <laughs> how i nearly killed myself thanks to my beef daughter <laughs> the books entitled help beef daughter is trying to kill me and other stories by jordan <laughs> peterson so uh igloo in the chat was uh Igloo BC was saying that uh, maybe we haven't learned a whole lot since this and that uh, that people are just as inclined to believe untrue things now as they were when this occurred. Yeah, but this is like a little bit different. Like, I would say more inclined. Yeah. I mean, here they were, they were purposely trying to make something sound realistic but they weren't really serious about it you know they did actually mention about halfway through <laughs> that it was just a radio program and not a not a real broadcast from the from any news organization yeah unlike infowars which never actually says that they're not news well except when uh, they're taking to court and then suddenly it's all uh uh, it's all, right. we're all joking. Character. It's character. <laughs> character. That's right. That's what he said. <laughs> and Alex Jones is quite the character, but it's just an act. It's not real. 
I'm just acting like I'm crazy so that people believe me. So they give me real money. <laughs> so give me my kids back. <laughs> oh, God. Good thing, good thing Jordan Peterson's kids are grown because those would have got taken away from him. Yeah. Apparently, uh, uh, someone should take away Beef Daughter. I mean, for this, for that's to protect Jordan. She's trying her damnedest to kill him. <laughs> I know, I know. Bad diet advice. Send him off to Russia to be like shock treated out of benzos. Like all kinds of weird stuff was going on with the, with Beef Daughter. We find Dad, out. you should eat just meat. And take a bunch of these pills. Trust me. It's fine. You'll 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 own Matt Dillahunty if you just father. do this. You'll own Matt Dillahunty in your next exchange if you just do this for two years. Trust me, father. I have your best interest in mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, she'll block you, you on she'll block you on Twitter if you refer to her as Beef Daughter. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm going to do that right now. And Instagram too. <laughs> Your ice cream. What's her Twitter handle? I don't know. Just look for Michaela Peterson. Spell it wrong into Google and it'll find it. Just put the word Twitter and then try to spell Michaela Peterson into Google. It'll figure it out for you. That's how I find everybody on Twitter. <laughs> I like how your fucking your background blur now just thinks the whole thing is the background because you're like, like Is it is it her? <laughs> background blur turned off on your camera i'd be able to read it but it's like looking for your face and trying to blur everything else so you put anything up to the camera that isn't your face and nobody can read it what's going on man i don't think this is the one she's only got like 182 followers oh no no beef daughter maybe she's not even on twitter no she's definitely on twitter um i don't know Uh, fucking google i swear to google beef daughter twitter (laughs) <laughs> Beef not even totally kidding you'll work. probably find her you'll probably find her so yeah i'm real glad we did the Holy uh shit what the fuck why does she spell her name like that she didn't dude she fucking of course she didn't do that why her parents spell her name like that <laughs> yeah she didn't it's do, like hold on hold on hold on hold on. hold on so i'm glad we watched the uh war of the worlds I don't think I had heard it in, in its entirety in like 20 years since I was like a, kind of a, a young, young, young man. Really fun to listen to. Uh, I, di- I didn't notice that they painted the uh, military person as a total liar in this before. And I really like that the, when they cut to a military person, that's the person who just directly lied to people and told them that nothing was going on. And then like five minutes later, they cut to a uh, the secretary of the interior who was like, no, we're fucked. And so the secretary of the interior threw the military person under the bus. I just feel like there was a lot of drama going on in this. And I feel like it was really well done. And I'm, I'm really glad we listened to it. And I don't think it, I don't think it has that many parallels to the kinds of fake news that we have today, because this was honestly a radio drama. It was honestly fake. Right. Yeah. They were, they weren't, there was no, there was no attempt to deceive. I don't think there, the, I, yeah, there didn't seem like anybody was trying to deceive anybody by making this broadcast. It seemed like they just wanted to put out an entertaining uh, fake. And I think it's kind of interesting, too, that I don't know if people had done this before, but they used the medium of radio to make a radio drama. Like where radio, like where radio itself was the backdrop of the drama they were making. 
So it wasn't like it wasn't like, oh, we have this drama and this is happening in a house. No, this is this thing is happening on the radio, but the thing that we're making a drama about is also happening on the radio. So I think it's like kind of interesting how they Man, I, I could have said that better with a lot fewer words. <laughs> it's like Why? the uh, it's like Blair Witch Project, you know, where the the action is set as if what you're seeing is something that could be real. And it's the same thing like the too. Blair because Blair Witch Project, where everything is blurry and shaky, and and you don't know what's going on, and then it that's all why it ends in real. a very unsatisfying like way. It looked like something you yourself would have filmed if you were put in that situation. Do the people who did the Blair Witch Project have enough money to sue us if we use their if we use their their content and do do the Blair Witch Project next week? <laughs> Dude, they, they made a do ton now. of money. Because I think Blair they Witch Project so much money on that. I think the Blair Witch Project is maybe like the modern day equivalent. I mean, I know it was a while back, but it's like the, maybe the modern day equivalent of War of the Worlds. And it was the same thing where the backdrop was they were making a film, right? That was like that that you saw them. Yeah. So it was the same kind of idea. They used the medium of film to make a film about making a film. Fuck, man. I can't fucking explain that. No matter. You just put whatever fucking medium there you want. Like, it would be like us doing a Twitch. It would be like us doing a Twitch stream about like what happened to us on our Twitch stream. I was about to ask, can we make a podcast that's on a podcast about doing a podcast about a podcast? I don't know if I'm asking that correctly. I don't think there is a way to correct correctly ask that. I feel like there's one out there. <laughs> I mean, what the we do around here is about a podcast. What we do around here is so often self-referential that I guess like we're always doing some version of that anyway. Plus, we have shitty cameras, so it's like being on Blair Witch Project. Our cameras aren't shitty. It's the fact that we're using Skype. Oh How yeah, do I unblur. Yeah, unblur the background. Also, How do I? Also, like your 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 upstream. I don't even know is, why your, your upstream is very upset. You have upset upstream. My entire network is upset. Is it defuminar mi fondo? I think that's it. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> why is your? Do you have you have Skype installed in a foreign language? Uh, my, I don't know how to say blur, so I know Fondo is background, but I did not know that defuminar means blur. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of this. Thanks for checking out the YouTube version of this. This has been the intellectual dollar tree. We'll do some other dumb videos when we get back in a minute. Um, what else do we have? Mm, this Apollo 22 by Offworld will stay on that fucking alien tip. Plus, it's long enough that I could take a piss and make another drink. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Again, love you all. We'll be right back. Live listeners.